Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 87 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We are back in Dublin following a successful trip across to the west of Ireland. And I'm here with my number one, officially number one at this stage, right hand man. Fuck you. Travel companion. <laughs> Travel buddy and brother in arms, I would say. Jesus. Colm O'Regan. <laughs> Hello. What's up, bro? How are you, man? Yeah, not bad at all. You look good. Recovered. Rested and refreshed. Yeah. Craig Fitzpatrick's here as well. He came back, guys. He came back. I'm no Dahi, but will I do this week? Well, I've given you, I've given you the lanyard that Dahi wore with yeah. your name on it. I can feel the power. I can feel uh, the Dahiness seeping. Great, great avail. Uh, I believe he pulled many women that weekend with <laughs> with, a, with that lanyard, <laughs> dozens um, across. Will his... it bestow me with the same power? I don't know. Maybe, okay, but we'll um, see. Craig is so dedicated to not. Uh, doing the ac- show acknowledging Galway that he hasn't even heard the episode yet <laughs> <laughs> nice I've been very very busy going on strike <laughs> I'll take this time though to uh, stop politely ripping Craig and note that Galway was fantastic we were over there for the National Student Radio Conference if you haven't heard the episode go check it out now uh, thanks to everyone who invited us over and looked after us so well to Paula and the entire crew from Flirt FM to the people who came out and made friends with us afterwards mm-hmm. uh, that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it Googie was excellent on the show was. like particularly good uh, 
Dahi did a great job too. <laughs> Particularly good. He was really That's good. That's a real dig no, at no, no, Dahi, no. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> we expect Dahi to have yes, a high standard. It was Googie's first uh, time on the show, so... So he slotted in like a natural. It could have gone anywhere. And it was a lovely room as well, so thanks to everyone who came along and actually watched us do it. Everything was great. I had a great couple of days, and I've been detoxing ever since, Colin. I know, uh, Detox Dave. Detox Dave, back in the house. You uh, weren't drinking down in Galway, were you? Uh, there's a couple of pints had, yeah. A beverage uh, every now and then. City of the tribes. 6am uh, yeah. finish on the Saturday. The old complimentary wines did not live very long I don't know life. how you did it, my friend. Yeah. Uh, getting up the next day was difficult, so... Uh, <laughs> Naturally. But, uh, yeah, no... Especially uh, when you tried to do it at 1pm with Mark Kermode blaring from your bedroom. Blaring from my <laughs> That's bedroom. That's his alarm. Mate, it's almost Super Sunday. <laughs> That's his alarm. It is, yeah. So, he gets out of bed to argue with Kermode. That's, that's who I am. So yeah, no, it was great. I, I, I had a great time. But I've been, I've been, on, the, I've been on the sparkling water ever since. And, uh, yeah, including when you went along to Tandem Felix the other night. That's mm. correct. I went to that gig. Neither of you guys went. So a uh, friend of the show, Dave Hanrady, on the other hand, went along. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> to be fair, you've been drowning in college work. I have, yeah. And I, you've been I've drowning, been drowning in, real in regular work. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It was sold out. Paid work is what it's called. Yeah, Tandem Felix. Um, we had announced the show a while ago. We didn't announce the show. They announced it themselves. We had talked about the show on the podcast a while ago. We gave it approval. <laughs> we gave it the no We're encore. promoting it like Don King. The no yeah. encore seal of approval. I don't think that that room was full because we talked about it. Um, yeah, I went along. And I guess what I would have to say about it would be that, um, you know, Winter announced itself quite robustly on Tuesday evening. While thousands of rubes lined up to get a quite grim picture taken in a riverside arena, your faithful correspondent soldiered forth, climbing the steps of Whelan's in search of warmth and breezy Americana heroics. And so it was that Tan and Felix, led by David Tapley, he of bouffant hair and 26 years, made us all forget about the cold and the misery outside the sold-out room. Though it was their first proper gig together in about a year, and protestations were made as such, the audience were politely asked to forgive the odd inevitable mistake. Such imperfection only bolstered the charm. Highlights in the evening included the wonderfully titled Tapley Takes a Stroll, Sound of the Summer Banger, Where You There When They Crucified the Birthday Boy, and Fan Favourite, Waiting in the Wings. While there were some undesirables in the crowd determined to make it all about themselves and boisterous to the point of a shut-the-fuck-up irritating fashion, the boys Felix would win the day, delighting such industry titans as villagers mastermind Connor O'Brien, rival indie dreamboat Derek Healy of girlband fame, Morgan McIntyre of Saint Sister, a very enamoured indeed Dahi O'Droney, and last, but not least, no encore supremo David William Hanrady. But the star of the show was, of course, young David Tapley, a whirling dervish of acerbic wit, emotional complexity, and a main so lustrous even I had to concede that John Barker's bold proclamation was the undisputed truth. And reader... I married him. <laughs> I remember when Dave used to talk about me like that. <laughs> look, 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 that's my take you on come it. come to Galway, mate. I, I love when Dave just like mid-conversation goes on one of his stream of consciousness, top of his head, I flights know. of so, You know, he's in a trance, the eyes roll back into the back of his head, yeah. Like the Undertaker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look, okay, fine. A, a, a bit wordy. I, Dave, uh, I, w- <laughs> I want a second opinion here. Well, hang on a second. I mean, that's my take on it. But uh, yeah. Tapley, what did you make of it all? There will be no gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. Tandem Felix have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of the concert in Whelan's, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For us, a 
child is born, to us a band is given, and the rock will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Evan Keogh, Conor Muldowney, Geoffrey Courtney, Aina Brennan, and David A. Tapley, age 26. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of Tandem Felix will accomplish this. Quite verbose, even for David Tapley, <laughs> I, I would say. Um, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I feel like nothing's ever going to be the same again. I'm not sure if he can bring that kind of vivaciousness to his future live reviews, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, essentially, too long didn't read version. Play enjoyed by all. <laughs> nice. Good, and we hope nice that will be the case um, four weeks from this very evening. Three weeks and six days from when the podcast drops. So don't let that confuse you. Oh, God, I'm, I'm pretty confused. confused. I'm not going to like, what? <laughs> Fractions being broken. The No here. Encore quiz of the year is hitting the Workmen's on Thursday, the 7th of December. Tickets are on sale right now from Eventbrite at noencorequiz.eventbrite.ie. Uh, it's tenner ahead, 35 for a table of four, and yeah, it should be a fantastic night. Tables uh, are do moving. Come along. Tables are moving, so I would advise you yes. to genuinely pick up that phone and get your tickets. Uh, <laughs> speaking of quizzes, though, by the way, we were treated to a quiz after the show right, in Galway. Yeah. We came third, which, you know, is upsetting, but, you know, it was it was kind of one of those comedy There was hijinks rounds, yeah. Uh, oh, really? I won something, though. I won a festival survival guide, which feels very on brand very after for this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I've already given it away to my housemate. Uh, Dahi won an, a, a xylophone, and he managed to leave it behind, but... I have brought it back for him. <laughs> That's so out of tune. Thank God for that. <laughs> While he had a tune, I'm sure he can uh, he can fix it up. But yeah, it was it was, Galway was great. The quiz was good. Ours will be better. Thursday, <laughs> December seventh, Workman's Club. Be there, Craig. Why don't you take us into the news this week? Let's talk about Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, so essentially, <laughs> this is so problematic. I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to approach it. Exercising your editorial control here. We were discussing beforehand how to I approach it. I mean, not this. to sound like a potential friend, Donald Trump, but there are <laughs> problems on both sides here. On yeah. both sides. So, specifically, this is to do with Taylor Swift's uh, new single, Look What You Made Me Do, and... Not a new single. Well... Well, is it, the, it was the first one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was the first three one. more Okay, since. well, it's out this year, so You've been it's buried in college, it's okay, it's fine. And the accompanying music video to get very specific, uh, alongside the history and current state of Nazism. Um, so the blog Popfront has posted an article titled, Swiftly to the Alt-Right, Taylor subtly gets the lowercase kkk information. I mean, that's a great title. I feel like that's a three-line headline, distancing though. ourselves from it, but it's a, you know. Who are Popfront, anyway? I've never heard of them. No, some online magazine about politics, culture, and activism, proudly centred in the left coast. I don't know what that means. I don't think it's a real place. I think it's more a state of mind. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Megan Herring is the, uh, I think, founder, editor, and writer in question. And, yeah, she basically posted this as a, as a sort of a takedown, I guess, of Taylor Swift. Yeah, she approaches the lyrics, first of all, and she's kind of saying that they seem to play to the same subtle, quiet, white support of racial hierarchy. And she goes on and on to talk about how she believes Swift is kind of subtly encouraging the alt-right, getting alongside, showing her support, um, what we, you make of we it. We talked about that we when did. the single was out, and I remember Colin Regan in particular, you were like, that is preposterous, mm. I do not agree whatsoever. Well, my friend... <laughs> This, bo- this blogger has backing. Yeah, well, you see, this is the thing now. Taylor Swift came back, or well, should I say, her lawyers came back with a cease and desist letter. Um, William J. Briggs II. The second, yeah. Yes, indeed, yeah. And it, the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, responded. And 
they basically said that, like, the First Amendment covers the writer here. There's absolutely nothing that you can threaten by law. And furthermore, that it's sort of... Does it cover Irish podcasters? <laughs> there's worrying and chilling that, you know, that you would do this, that you would actually threaten legal action against uh, a blog post that is a mix of core political speech and critical commentary. Now... As you say, like, I absolutely objected to the people who were kind of, like, linking Taylor Swift to the alt-right. Pretty much, basically, it's just internet chatter, essentially. You also have to completely condemn the lawyers who are just, like, powering up to sort of intimidate these writers or whatever. Yeah. But, like I say, I mean, it's a very dangerous precedent on both sides, I feel. Dangerous precedent if the lawyers are going to be quashing everything that they don't like that's out there. But equally so if it's just like everybody is compelled to respond to internet chatter. And if not, your silence is complete. You're saying internet chatter. I mean, it is a blog post. It is a written piece. It is technically an article, whether it's on the New York Times or whether it's on this, Mm -hmm. you know, DIY blog. And ultimately, you know, you got to be like, first of all, album rollout not going as planned. No. And second of all, really, I mean, like Taylor Swift's image problem is largely to do with the fact that a lot of people who aren't on her side see her as this kind of hollow corporate entity and really kind of, you know, a bit of a snake, you might say. Right. This doesn't help that, does it? I mean, like, ultimately, you got to be like, surely you got better things to do like than go after a blogger. Because, if anything, this only highlights it further, and I'm sure that yeah, it's, piece it's, has now been seen a lot more than it oh, previously was. Oh, without, without a doubt. And, I mean, one glance at the ACLU's letter as well, where they clearly got every lolcat in the office to put in as many song references as they possibly could. <laughs> Everybody's looking for their moment to shine from this, to be honest. Including us. I like how last week you had Dahi free wine and quizzes, and this week I get some potentially libelous alt-right talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about Taylor's... I mean, right back to Shake It Off, there was a lot of chat about that music video and her maybe appropriate, yeah, appropriating yeah. stuff, which I thought was ridiculous. I feel like this is very much a stretch. I know people have their opinions about Taylor Swift, and I certainly don't think the direction... Like, I don't think this whole, I'm going to do an M&M on it and F the haters uh, mm. is working at all. Just say it's backfired, but I think this is very much a stretch. Oh, no. like, I mean, there, there's a picture mm. of her from the music video, like, lording it over models from a podium and then ne- putting next to a photo of Hitler. Yeah, okay, well, And look, it's like, if we start doing this shit... It says in the thing, it's just like, uh, yeah, from a podium akin to what Hitler had in Nazi Germany, a podium... Podium or like any public speaker ever, like what? yeah. But I mean, and, and like I say, it's just a notion that this is deserving of any sort of response. And I think this is the issue. You see, like as she said that like Taylor Swift's continued failure to address this basically makes her complicit in whatever movement that's taking her on as a poster girl or an idol or whatever, yeah. which is nonsense. This, remi- is nonsense, this reminds yeah. me of when the Pittsburgh Pirates had to come out when they released the first photo of Jihadi John, and he was wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates cap, and like the actual baseball team had to come out with a statement just being like, well, this organisation condemns ISIS and well, all yeah, terrorism in its strongest that, yeah. form. Like... This is nonsense. This this is akin to Are blackmail. I was gonna say this this is akin to blackmail when it's like you'd better comment on this or we're going to assume and continue well, to, to propagate fair, the idea that I this is something someone, you're in favour of. If I saw someone from ISIS wearing a no encore badge, I'd probably be like, by the way, <laughs> this is news to us and we don't endorse. I mean, but you, why yeah. would you? Like, it, because what does that got to do with us? Like, and more to the point, do you like, know what I mean? I believe it's called engagement. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Community management. No, but like, <laughs> when it comes to this, okay, look, I mean, whether you agree with the content 
of what is put out there. Surely we don't want to see bloggers being utterly trampled by someone who is like no. vast power in, by comparison. And like you know, I I, I headline titled this one Taylor Swift finally picks a fight that she may not be able to win. Yeah, and. Okay, yeah, the Hitler thing, ridiculously over the top and very, you know, framing, like, you know, like very impressionable. You might see that image together and be like, oh, they got a point. But again, you know, it comes down to the freedom of speech thing. It comes down to are you allowed to express yourself? If the piece itself is really badly written and has no correlation with, with, with what is being suggested, fair enough. But again, there's no smoke without fire on this one because we've already had a similar conversation to a degree in, in which I was kind of, you know, being the on the fencer and you were like, no fucking way, Dave, that's going to be bullshit. Yeah. I do, like I do think when you say you, there's a concern that kind of you know the small blogger the small you know journalist will be tr- trampled by these kind of giant stars or corporations or kind of legal teams clearly that doesn't work anymore because everything is out there and all we, as we just said all it's doing is making Taylor look bad and the information like you know it's on the internet like cease and desist I mean there's nothing that's going to put this like cat back in a bag so I, I don't exactly know how this j- journalist will be trampled whatsoever like I'm I, no, I just don't see how, in this current kind of climate and with the way the internet has gone, like big kind of corporations can silence people anymore. Yeah, I, I tend I to agree. Just, yeah. Will it affect the album, though? Which, as of time of recording, is mm-hmm. out. In yeah, that's right. one fashion, because we don't quite know at time of recording if it will be on streaming services. The thinking is that it won't be. And um, There was, like I think, Pitchfork talked to like four representatives from different platforms, and they were like, no, no, we anticipate that it'll be out in a couple of weeks. She did this before with 1979. Uh, but we will break the No Encore piggy bank, and we will go out, <laughs> listener, for mm-hmm. you, and we will buy the album so that we can review it on next week's show. Did you know, lads, that um, someone in like some uh, HMV in Birmingham or something, they got copies of the record, All right. and like you know, someone on their own Twitter account like put up a photograph of them holding it or something, and mm-hmm. said that they had listened to it, which led to a bunch of particularly passionate fans, is the most political way I can put that, uh, sending death threats to this oh, person. Yeah? And Jesus there's Christ. this hardcore situation where it's like you're not allowed to listen to this until Taylor deems it so. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, and that's well, why. I, that, I mean, I mean, that is what a release date is, though, isn't it? That's why. Yeah, I mean, the high street tomorrow. Yeah, that's not a Taylor-specific thing. I've seen that a lot because how you know, ubiquitously, uh, yeah, yeah. even around the Lana Del Rey thing, like all our fans online were just like, oh, "Well, if she want the, if the artist specifically wants to drop the thing at this time, why not just respect them?" I once met Marine and the Diamonds like literally twelve hours after her album leaked, and she's just like, "Ah, it's kind of sucks, isn't it?" Yeah, but then she perked up as well because you were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't? I, I have, a, I have a pleasant face. Um, <laughs> if when we go to buy the Taylor Swift album, yeah, we might just hit a regular high street record store. Um, might even go to an indie somewhere along the way, or we could go to the PS Austra, uh, the finest shopping centre sixty miles north of Lithuanian capital Vilnius. <laughs> oh yeah, that's an option. Owned somehow by Bono. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Bono has decided to create his own brass eye gag, and uh, the following sentence I wish was written by me, but it wasn't. It was written by The Guardian. His band have never been there, and neither seems has he. But as an investment opportunity, Bono found what he was looking for in Lithuania. What am I talking about? I'm talking about The Guardian's latest expose, The Paradise Papers, mm. in which they are exposing yeah. the elite. Sounds like the best rom-com that's never been made, Paradise doesn't Papers, it? yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in The Paradise Papers. Yeah, um, so yeah two, this, two investigative journalists. Yeah. That go to find the truth and end up finding I'm love. pretty sure that actually is a film with Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte. I forget what it's called. What? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a film uh, where they, they're rival newspaper journalists. Okay. 
Anyway, um, I will try and find out. Tweet at me and let me know what film I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, the Paradise Papers is basically this kind of new expose in which, you know, the elite, the 1%, if you will, have been caught out with all of their mm. offshore tax haven, tax dodging, weird investments. And yeah. uh, what, what what is innocent little Paul Hewson doing caught up in this mire, you might wonder? Well, he allegedly apparently used a company based in Malta to pay for a share in a shopping center in a small town in the northeast of the country. And, yeah, uh, he was an investor in the company, which was called Nude Estates. Which brought which bought them all, named after Lithuanian word for Don for five point eight million euro shortly after opening in two thousand seven. I was working in a shopping centre in two thousand seven <laughs> in my native Drada. And there was none of this rock none star. Of this don't get that and none of this rock star <laughs> swagger. The, the biggest celebrities I ran afoul of there were, were Brian Dowling when he burst in on me with a camera crew when I was absolutely <laughs> hung over beyond belief. Oh, yeah, I remember this. At the yeah. night after I saw the National in the Olympia and I ended up on TV3 and I've never seen the footage. I never want to see the footage. And the other time was when I gave directions to Gary McAllister. Wow. Yeah, we should give Bono side. I mean, his spokeswoman has told The Guardian that Bono was a passive minority investor in nude estates, which sounds like he's being accused of something much, yeah. much sleepy easier to be quite honest um, but essentially he's kind of trotted out the usual line of like well actually I pay and the band pay a fortune in tax and um, basically said listen if anything untoward was going on I'd completely distance myself well he said he said uh, I would be extremely distressed yes. if anything less than exemplary was done with my name anywhere near it oh we all feel that way well, Bono, no, you, but- know what, you know what <laughs> I, like I was thinking the one thing I will say is like Bono's always been pretty much open about the fact that he's you know, playing the system, Careful shall we now? say? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, but you know, like, like they are managing their finances in a certain way, and they've always yeah. been very open about this. So I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt that he's not actually being underhand in this. Oh way. no, I don't like. I don't think there's a lot of uh, even if like nothing untoward is going on, and like we're totally saying everything is completely legal, and he's entitled to do whatever he wants. But what rubs people up the wrong way, as we all know, is the fact that Bono has positioned himself as this kind of you know moral voice of morality in terms of you know finance and the world and kind of the imbalance between the rich and the poor and people obviously feel like he's not doing his bit mm-hmm. do you think you recommended um, it to Kendrick when they were doing that song from probably, last week probably yeah I said there's a lot <laughs> of K. you gotta get it. K. Dot right now owns half of the ILAC centre I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm betting there also by the way I don't know if you actually did your research here like good journalists and the PC ouser itself it sounds a fantastic place. There's a jewellery shop with a suitably uh, musical uh, name translates simply as Metal Notes. Oh, nice. Uh, there's a kid's shop called Fantastic. And this week, there's 50% off a chili pizza. So, yeah, if you are in the region. Let's hit it up. Pop by. I mean, they don't sponsor the show, man. <laughs> we have oh, to yes. be... They might oh, yes. We have to be a lot more... Have you watch yeah? those Lithuanian subscribers just peak in the next week? We, have to, we have to be really careful with who we, you know associate the show with yeah. for example Paris Hilton is returning <laughs> uh, Paris Hilton making her no encore debut she's not in the studio with us but she is returning to our ears pretty soon she put out a record a pop album mm-hmm. in 2006 I want to say five five mm. Stars Are Blind was the lead single and it was not a great song at all it was like a calypso kind of like that time when Sid Owen did a really bad reggae oh, yeah, good yeah. thing going they're very very similar well we all thought that she was finished um, but it turns out she's not because did you know, lads? That in fact, she's actually a very, very lucrative DJ. I did. Yes, I did. She yeah. is on the highest paid list. She reportedly receives one million dollars per gig 
to DJ. And mm. uh, if that doesn't make you feel bad about things, I don't know what will. Well, I I feel like this is just weird categorization because really what she is is one of the most, you know, well-paid person for public appearances, right? Sure, it's yeah. just called DJ. Well, she has a residency for the last five years in Ibiza, an amnesia nightclub, and she's the highest okay. paid female DJ in the world. So there you go. Take that, Annie Mac, and people who are actually interesting at what they do. Um, Paris Hilton was the focus of a recent new piece with Time magazine, which, uh, you know, wanted to give people an insight into her, <laughs> into, the, into her world as a performing DJ. And it had all kinds of interesting details, that, including the one that she tricked her billionaire father as a young teen and snuck away on the family's private jet to Ibiza and met the owner of Amnesia that same night. Which who amongst us hasn't. Which presumably, you know, led to this you know, her life passion as a DJ there. Uh, she's apparently working on her second full-length album, and she has described it as Deep House, Techno Pop, and Electro Pop. Now, I've heard of two of those genres, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure she made up the third one. She's an <laughs> innovator. Um, I remember when, I think, The Killers released Sam's Town, if you remember, uh-huh. second album, which, like, Brandon Flores was convinced this was going to be their big Bruce Springsteen thing, like, pushed him over the edge into, like, iconic thing. And then, like, a few months later, him giving a really kind of, like, crestfallen interview where he was just like, Rolling Stone gave it less stars than the Paris Hilton album. Oh, <laughs> just I, if I recall correctly, the person interviewing them said, oh, that was just them trying to be postmodern. Yeah, yeah, it was Q Magazine, so. If you want a slightly better uh, review of Paris Hilton, there was a fantastic one uh, in in the mix an Australian site that did a live review of hers a few years ago um, they had this bloke god bless him I don't know how he drew the short straw he used to be sent to watch like celebrity DJs so like Paulie D from Jersey Shore and shit like that mm-hmm. but he had a line in the Paris Hilton one where he said her transitions sound like trains colliding with lame horses as she desperately <laughs> tries to beat match basic four to the floor rhythms to no avail it was in these moments that the more rational members of the crowd made themselves visible in the show of solidarity shouting things like what the hell are you doing? And all the songs you're playing are the same tempo. How can you not mix them together? One million dollars. <laughs> to be honest, that kind of makes it sound way more appealing, just in a weird avant-garde. Like, it's something that Andy Warhol would have supported back in the 60s. I don't know. Probably not even that interesting. beats and stuff, yeah. Well, yeah. not to go back too far in time, but a week ago, when Cullum and I were departing Galway, the news broke that Diddy, formerly known as Puff Daddy, had changed his name once again. He took to Twitter put up a video, and then had announced that his name was now Love, a.k.a. Brother Love, not to be confused with the 1980s WWF wrestling personality. And, uh, you know, before we had really gotten the chance to get used to this cataclysmic change in the fabric of society itself, it turned out it was all a big ruse, and he wasn't being serious at all, and he's still Diddy, but we can call him Love if we want to. What? Yeah, so he's put up a new Instagram video, and he says, I was only joking. <laughs> no, much more, he starts out really sort of like... It's really down about it and he's like, Oh, like why can't you guys take a joke? And you're like, Look at your track record, yeah. mate. It's like we didn't like we've known you for twenty years. You've never displayed a sense of humor once in your entire life. Or you know. kept a name for an extended <laughs> yeah, period exactly, of time. Yeah. So Also we took him at his word, you know? Like <laughs> Like, you can't trust anyone these days, Dave. Was it a joke, or is he now rapidly backtracking? But it's not an especially funny joke. Like, it was just kind of like, okay, if you want to call yourself love, it's a bit ridiculous, but, you know, no more ridiculous than Puff Daddy, so yeah. that's fine. Diddy. But then he kind of he qualifies it by saying, it was just part of one of my alter egos. One of my alter egos is love. I'd say he must be such a pain to hang out with. Yeah. Well, because this story started out as a bit of a small story, and then became a bit of a non-story... I think that we should have Puff Daddy Corner, one once off Puff Daddy Corner, in which we name our favourite Puff Daddy numbers. Ah, God. And I'm going to go with, of course, what else could it be, but his 
Godzilla soundtracking sensation. Oh, yeah. Come, Come with, with me with Jimmy Page. What a tune like. <laughs> Tell me lies, time flies, close your eyes, come with me. Yeah. Although I'm a big fan, as we all are, of, um, you know, uh, every... Every breath you take, the ah, the biggie tribute, missing you, missing I believe you. was the yeah, yeah with yeah. Uh, Faith, as opposed to I'll be watching you, Faith Evans. So his two best songs are like rehashes of more famous. I his wouldn't best say song that. Is Bad Boys for Life, no, that's great. Bad Boys for Life is a tune. Bit of Navarro. Yeah. He uh, also and he does a nice verse on Mo Money More Problems as well, doesn't he? With yeah, nice. he does actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah that he's is on. Um, he's in the video for Hate Me Now by Naz. Is he on the track? I think he's on the track. That's a great song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe he endorsed a young man who didn't go on to greatness. But do you remember there was a great song, and this would have been all over like the video the music video channels back in like two thousand. It was a uh, A one and enjoy yourself. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. absolutely, that's yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. it is actually yeah. a song. totally forgot about that. That was sampling Beethoven's Fifth, wasn't it? Yeah, absolute jam. Yeah, it's a great song. So look up all those songs, listeners. Make a small playlist and have yourself a really fun evening. Brother love, what a guy. Already rounding out our news agenda today. Neil Young is auctioning off a shit ton of things. To be fair, expected to like run for three hundred thousand plus. But as part owner of a model, himself some of that Lithuanian mall money. Yeah, part owner of a model train company uh, he will be selling 230 of his model trains uh, from his collection oh he said that collecting all these items has been my great joy they have provided a source of inspiration fun and creativity throughout my life now it is time to share them with others in the world who I hope will enjoy and love them as much as I have now, that Craig, definitely means his wife has oh, just asked him to get rid of oh, yeah, I think it? Neil Young's a bit of a nerd <laughs> let's get rid of some of that clutter shall we yeah. now Craig Fitzpatrick yes you know why this is in I the, do, yeah. Actually, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even say it to you. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's <laughs> an exclusive, folks. Yeah. Here's an exclusive for you, because I presume no one has read the magazine in which it first appeared in. Craig, rock that mic and tell the world your story. The Liveline is open. Um, yeah, so I was interviewing Joe Duffy of Liveline fame <laughs> for a train magazine, as you do. Um, it was kind of a bit of a general chat and also kind of b- built around his life, his loves and his favourite train journey. Um, so he was a really good sport, lovely chap. Talked a bit about going down to the sunny southeast. It was all very kind of generic. And I was like, great, I've got everything I need. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll let you go. And then he just goes, oh, yeah, I collect model trains. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> so, of course, that was another 20 minutes of an interview. And, yeah, he's big into collecting model trains. Hits up the conventions, That's, doesn't he? He hits up the conventions, yeah. I believe he's probably talked about it on air before. But, yeah, Surely. he's got them running around his house. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you've outed him here. I'm sure it's a... Yeah, I, I think it's common. Well, it was in the magazine anyway. So, um, But, yeah, he, he's big into it. It's something I've never quite got. Have you no, me neither. Any, no? I mean, I mean, like he, he, this Neil Young thing. He's also selling like a 1953 Buick Roadmaster Skylark. That sounds a lot more my thing. Lovely car. Although he has had it personalized with customized for Neil Young, written well, on know, the steering wheel yeah, hub, see, which surely like, limits the like amount of people who can buy it. Right? I tell you, Puff Daddy can buy it because he'll just change his name again. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Are there some bloke just going up oh, like nice. Neil Young? Can I get away with it? <laughs> I think that might add value, to be quite honest, but anyway. <laughs> Actually, I prefer young Neil. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's hit up the songs of the week. Last time we did this in front of a crowd, everyone pissed themselves when the chorus of the new U2 song hit. Because, you know, if, if there's a focus group for you, Bono. Don't listen to your investors, listen to us. We know what we're talking about, as do our fans. So, um, are we going to go a random number game for the for all time yeah, sake? Yeah, come on. Sure. Alright, Craig, give me a number between one and five. Number one, please, Dave. This is the Wombats. That's right, the Wombats. It is 2017. They are back. They have a new album on the way. And here's the first taster. This song is called Lemon to a Knife Fight. I push the new to show. 
Last of the Wombats. Uh, I genuinely thought that they were finished. I reviewed their last album, Glitterbug, in 20... 20- you were hoping to finish them yourself, weren't you? <laughs> I did my best with my 3 out of 10 review for Drowned in Sound of Glitterbug. Uh, I actually went and I reread that review, for old time's sake. Mm. And I actually, you know what? I thought I was a bit too mean. I was, oh. a, bit, I was a bit caustic about them. Uh, literally, the, the review ends with me just listing off the worst lyrics on the album for a bit, like seven lines. Uh, but, you know, nail in the coffin, I would have thought. One of those bands that, you know, were around in the late 2000s, a real enemy-sponsored band. I saw them at auctions. Well, I think it was Smack Bang mid-2000s, really, it was, that yeah, left it down to Division. The, when, it was, when it was out, proper landfill stuff. That's and they a, were kind of more the quirkier end, like the, you know, cartoonish yeah. so end of it. 05 to 08, you know, like yeah. that kind of that, You that can kind, kind of, of judge period. it by how crap the word after the was. You know, everyone just started running out of the something, so it became the Wombats and the Hoosiers and the whatever's, yeah. the Cortinas. Well, the Hoosiers were from Indiana. That makes sense. It's still a horrible name. Yeah. It's a terrible name. <laughs> and their big song, what was it called again? Goodbye, Mr. A. Awful. Oh, goodbye, Mr. A. No, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> do you remember that there was a band called The Music back in the day? Hold on, wait. I, do, I just yeah. realised that was a play on mystery, was it? What? I don't think so. Mr. A. I don't know. Do you remember the music? We're going too yes, far. Do, remember yeah. Take the Long Road and yeah, Walk It? Yeah, it's yeah. a belter. But seriously, you call yourself the music, you're in trouble, mate. That's true. So the Wombats are back. Uh, this <laughs> song was inspired by, of all things, mm. a fight that the yeah. front man had with his wife about Mulholland Drive. No, no. That's what yeah, he said. it is. It is. And then, yeah, and another one of the guys is like, oh, I was watching loads of David Lynch too, and this song just came out, and it did it. Yeah, oh, was it about it, the film no, that's Mulholland Drive, guy. or was it, I thought they had an argument in the car while they were on Mulholland Drive. No, he said, he said he was watching a lot of David <laughs> okay. Lynch, and he had a fight, and I think that the, this, the lyrics from what I've tried to decipher are basically like, you know, I think he's just basically saying that I can't win against yeah. who I'm fighting with here. You know, kind of like the water boys, the whole of the moon. I spoke about wings, you just flew. Or in this case, I brought a lemon to a knife fight. Now, I'm going to say this, <laughs> because I went in very hard on that last record, two-footed tackle, straight red. On this one, I was like, well, this is going to be really bad, isn't it? I'm not saying it's great. Why did you turn to Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Well, brother, well, brother. brother. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, here we go, brother. I'll say this, right? It's not bad. It's fine. It's actually all right. It's the most bearable the Wombats have ever been. There you though. go. Yeah. yeah. Although- That's about it. But I mean, I, like, I mean, the nagging feeling is, though, that like this song is so that if you meet someone who's too young to remember Landfill Indie, you can go, well, here you go. Experience for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I don't think David Lynch has inspired anything as kind of banal. And it is just like, oh, the missus is always right. And like two years on from your kind of caustic review... Um, uh, lyrically I don't think he's getting any better there's a lot of clunkers in there the melody is sweet enough it's a grand listen um, a bit lightweight but it's fine it's grand actually I don't hate it can I throw in a really 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 weird fact about Wombat yeah the band or the actual the animal the actual animal is it a marsupial or is it an animal uh, no it's an animal it's the same thing uh, yeah it is okay yeah. but basically we're they, all learning they mark, they mark their <laughs> they mark their territory um, with their poo and so their tailbones are modified so that they can poo in perfect squares so they can pile them up in stacks there you go. Well, you know, based on that last like record... perfect and cubes. This comeback, they're not the only people to mark the territory with a lot of shit, are they? Hey, <laughs> <how's> <laughs> I think the song is okay. Honestly, I think it's fine. I think the chorus is a lot of fun. I was like, this works for me. I'm not going to rush out to buy the album. Love it. I don't love it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But, like, you know, to be fair, for a band that are quite clearly on life support... 
this just might give them another couple of years. Yeah, they'll get another go around. Basically, but I think I think they're big in Australia as well, if I remember. So they'll get a tour. Down bands there. that'll just like tour and have a weird nostalgia factor now because it's been like ten years <laughs> since their debut. It's all the like the ordinary boys sold out a kind of tenth anniversary. Are you serious? It's just crazy. People just go because oh yeah, remember that song? The Pigeon Detectives. Yeah. The time he walked off. Never mind. But the fair place for him. You can't. Deny what I would say though to uh, Craig there was, I think David Lynch would be furious if he if he inspired something as generic as my missus is always right in a fight and I'm not. Yeah, yeah like very much so. A bit more. It's not really Ridiculous. reflective of the David Lynch canon, is what I would say. Cullum, may I have a number, please. Number four. Okay, Angel Olsen. We last heard her teaming up with Hamilton Lighthouser. She's back with a rarities collection, which should be out of time of this listening, I think. This is a taster. It's called Sands. A nice breezy two and a half minutes from Angel Olsen. She did uh, an exclusive version of this for the KPC or whatever they're called radio station, which was quite lovely. I really like this. I especially like how it sounds, actually, like it could have been in that film within a film in Mulholland Drive, Craig. It sounds like it was recorded in a 1950s recording booth. Yeah, I was going to go 1930s, but whatever. Well, you know, that general 20-year swing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you know, it kind of covers a lot of... A, a no, lot I'm of right range. there with you. The yeah, wartime yeah. period just slowed the progression <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it's all the same. Yeah. yeah. Angel Olsen, I mean, like, you know, to go from Shut Up, Kiss Me and that kind of stuff off her recent record then go back into this mode I think is quite impressive and I really enjoyed this one I saw some people kind of saying it's a bit too glooming and I'm a bit concerned about her but I think she knows what she's doing and it's good yeah no? I totally do yeah I, lo- I like her kind of primitive style I think she has the talent to kind of no matter whether like if she goes a bit rougher or if she's kind of just doing more ballady type stuff she always kind of nails it to me I think she's got a real kind of quality to her and this does sound like it could have been you know off some like Karen Dalton collection it's it's got that atmosphere of that old sound and uh, yeah like I'm a big fan so this was kind of this was this went down a treat for me I've got a feeling that big fans might appreciate it more than others because okay. I've well I've always had a little bit of an issue with Angel Olsen and style that she kind of makes sketches of songs pretty much mm. Not so much because they're bad in any way, but because like this almost unrealized talent. And when you see her make a slightly more substantial track, like I think it was Sister from the last record, you're just like, oh wow, okay, you know, when you go balls out, this is fantastic. And yeah, and this is another one where obviously it's a pretty stripped back approach, a pretty sort of you know hands off production style. If there's any real production involved in this at all, to be perfectly honest, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it's short and it's fairly to the point. It's what she does, but. Like I say, that's not really my thing. Yeah, it would be like a rarities album would obviously be for... The, oh, yeah, the it's for co- the diehards. The yeah. completists, you would imagine. Yeah. And in that regards, it's a perfectly fine teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I think the quality of the writing is really up there. That's it is, I, yeah. Know. I know, I, I found this to be, like, especially as kind of brief glances go, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And I do, actually, I would, I would disagree with Coleman as much as I think there is production on this one. It's to make it sound like that kind of lo-fi, yeah. old-school, authentic thing. And it brought me right back to it. It was kind of like, you know, like... Right back to, back the, back 50s. to the 50s. Well, you know, well, I am, you know, uh, Dr... What's the name? Strangelove? From Quantum Leap. <laughs> oh. I, I, no. I don't think I ever saw Quantum Leap. You never Leap watched Quantum Leap? What's no. more, I'll, I'll bet, though, that Dave, the Craig and I were queuing up with Time Traveller <laughs> references, and you went for the bloke from Quantum Leap. Have you never right. watched Quantum Leap? 
You could have just said the doctor. Samuel Beckett, I think, is his name. Doctor Sam Beckett never returned home. It's like the the most grimmest ending to like a kid show you've ever seen. It's a genius concept. You should check it out. Dean Stockwell is fantastic. I feel like I saw when I was five or something because I told you the ending. That's the reason. Spoiler alert for Quantum Leap. Uh, You know, it's worth checking out. Scott Bakula man made 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 his career. So, Craig, a number, please. Uh, can I have number two, please? You can indeed. It's the return of, you know, are they a comedy act? I don't know. I mean, like, they're, well, they're, they are comedic. Yeah. It's the return of Chromeo. The song is called Juice. They're talking. I stay in my own lane. I can't blame them, though. Because everybody knows that you got the juice. Yeah, yeah. That's why I keep pressing you, pressing you. Pressing you, pressing you. I think it's great. Now, <laughs> when I say comedy act, I mean, to be fair... Playful what, electro-funk Canucks. They, yeah. They've always had a really kind of wink and a nod with what they do, right. uh, while also making some kind of really enjoyable dance floor electro-style stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, comedy act makes it almost sound like they should be on a fucking cruise ship or something, but, uh, you know, that humour is here in their new comeback single, I suppose. Yeah. This, I wonder if there's a level of humour as well of making this year comeback single in November. Oh, it's very summery. This is the biggest song of the summer. Right into You're going to hear this November, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. Um, I don't know if it suits them, though. There's a level of, I guess, much like anything in a nightclub, when you bring it into the daylight, there's something not quite right with it. And with this, it just feels like... Like maybe maybe it genuinely is that it's in November. If someone played it for me in April, I might have been like, right, stack that up next to the Calvin Harris tracks and grab the Margarita mix. But now I'm just like... I so don't, I don't know. This. Just to, to, just to put myself in this uh, hypothetical party position, mm-hmm. we're at Colm's gaff. He's got the margarita mix, the barbecue's going, and it's juice by Chromeo. Oh yeah, it's slide by Love Calvin him. Harris, yeah. and then it's four degrees by Anani, isn't Precisely. it? Precisely, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. standard. Yeah, <laughs> then we put out the bar- barbecue because it's damaging the environment, and head <laughs> and head down to the allotment to make a leafy salad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't know if kind of beach party suits them as well as dance floor does. Yeah, like I I don't like the term guilty pleasure, but this is like custom built to be that thing of just as you say, it's probably when the lights are down and it seems like a bit of a laugh. It's a wink and a nudge. It's um catchy as hell but it's supposed to be a punchline the whole way through and i think it's going to get tiresome um but yeah it is catchy i, I think production wise in terms of what they're doing i mean it's what they do and have oh, been yeah. doing for years but now it's just sounding like it's starting to sound a little dated maybe i felt um, that way about like fancy footwork and that was like 10 years ago yeah i'm genuinely was surprised that they're still going and can still pull this out of the bag I mean, yeah, they're the kind of band that releases an album called business casual i yeah. mean you know this is what you're gonna get from they have some belters they do uh, yeah like, absolutely and i yeah i would put this on like a best of chromeo playlist it, it's short it's to the point it gets there quick it's kind of like a, a get lucky that i'm not sick of yeah know? i mean yeah, like that, that, that is one of the songs that kind of jumped to mind all right but um yeah i, I don't know i found it a little too technicolor but the new lp will be out soon apparently they haven't announced a date yet well whenever it comes out you can just wait until the weather gets better okay and then yeah, sure, exactly. we revisit this track just ho- hide it from me until about April we right? had that really that's nice low winter me. sun today I thought the song went very well with it speaking of low winter sun that's a good title for a TV show that someone should make that nobody will ever watch up next Cullum give me a number three it's the one McLean the brighter the light
know, you want to talk about dance floors, you want to talk about, you know, whether it's suited to the summer or to the winter. I don't know, Cullum. This is this is the New York Disco Glitter Bowl. How'd this go down with your, uh, I can only listen to songs at certain times of the day? Well, okay. <laughs> Attitude, <laughs> policy I'm, that you I'm, have? I'm not sure if that was uh, the killer for this one. Um, first of all, we discussed the underutilization of Nancy Wang on the LCD Sound System oh, album. Yeah. And here, they appear to have gone, can you sing like 0.3 of a second's worth of a sample there now? Yes. What's happening? What are you doing? Like, and and what's, what's more, it's 0.3 of a second of a sample on a song that has no right to be eight minutes long. This genuinely sounds like it might have been mixed live. You know, where he's actually just playing the beat through and trying to work out what'll go with it, what won't. But then just didn't go back and actually, like, master it into a four-minute track at all. This is shite. Like, do you know what I mean? Some it's car just screeched outside. What? <laughs> 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 no, but it's not, okay, it's, it's not, like, absolutely dreadful sounding, but it's just so, like, generic to the point of, like, why did you bother making this? Why am I Why am I bothering to listen to this? Where is that time gone? I can't get that time back. I have things to do. I've just spent all my time listening to this yeah. song, and nothing's happening. It's not even going to be good on a dance floor. It's so, like... Like, this is like a Casio keyboard preset thing. You just hit and it's like, oh yeah, this is playing now. It's like four chords of nothingness. No! I was very surprised <laughs> at it not being very good. Yeah, I mean, you expect a lot more from this outfit. Like, have you ever heard Happy House? Happy yeah, House yeah. is a fucking I, yeah, this incredible is the thing, like, song. If you, uh, listener, do better. Listener, if you've never heard Happy House by the Juan McLean, go there immediately. Um, they had a song out earlier this year called, um, I think it's Can You Ever You Know Somebody? The remix of which is actually spectacular in particular. But yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with Craig's vociferousness. This is shockingly one note and shockingly one dimensional and never changes course. I was like, okay, there's three minutes left, so I know we're going to... We're going to have some epic yeah. change. You no, know, it's just the same thing over and over again. And then there's that weird kind of like, you know, almost like annoying bird sound going on through it as yeah. well. There's, like, <laughs> have you seen the Pitchfork review? No, do it's they love it? They're they so, loved it, do they? But they're so eager. They're kind they of really trying want to, to love it. Yeah, exactly. They're so eager not to say anything bad. They're kind of like, um, it's just like such a precision kind of like execution <laughs> of like your typical New York house. And it's just like, they've, they're really professional and good oh. at make, putting music together. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. But they're not. Uh, Does Pitchfork like, you know, track reviews that they're doing lately where they keep picking stuff that you think is a standout you're like well if it's in here it must be a standout yeah, they had one recently where they were like I can't remember the name of the band but it was like this is hardcore for the 2017 generation and I was like okay well I've just been getting through the new Converge record I want, I'm, 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 I'm you know in for a penny in for a pound give me some more and I went in and I was like oh it's on Roadrunner I used to listen to Roadrunner albums back when I was you know this is going to be great and then I was like this is really bad and nothing's happening. It's and a new generation, though. They've gone soft, Dave. I suppose, yeah. True. Softcore. It's all avocados these days for yep. these hardcore denizens. Paprika on everything. There's one track left. Craig is a huge fan of Miguel. He's back with a protest song. My favourite thing in the world. This is called Told You So. Craig, yeah. if somebody said, I'm not really into Miguel, and you went, but he's great, would you come back and be like, told you so, with this track? Oh, very good. Thanks, I mean, yeah. you've no love for protest songs. This is about... Less as as you- love as we get going on with them. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean, 
this you don't have to look at as a protest song. I don't think. I think oh, this I is great. This is song of the week for me. Uh, Chromio is a song of the week for me, but this is up there. Uh, I think it's really, really good. Well, I was concerned. Miguel's not—he doesn't really do bad music, though. This well, he, he's kind of dropped so? a few tracks in the last oh, while. There's been some weird. There was yeah. one that came out a little while ago. Which was odd, shockingly generic. The start of this, I was like, D- "Is this quite syncing up?" I'm not sure what he's actually going for. Thirty seconds in, I was like, "No, this this is working for me." And repeated listens, it does that kind of off kilter synthy, like a, a Prince computer blue <laughs> thing, which is great. And then like when it switches up and it, it just kind of goes flying off and this get like electric feel MGMT guitar thing uh, Peach of a Chorus it's great it's fun it's Miguel at his best you know I like this a lot I must say we've talked before about the kind of you know slightly reductive nature of kind of you know he's the new so and so or she's just like blah 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 but I guess when you just get, keep getting compared to Prince you just learn to live with it and yeah. just keep going because this is very Prince-esque um, taken straight from the 1980s sort of guitar funk thing he has that great voice as well that can do just about everything yeah, and, and you know when he allows the beat to cut and it's just his voice holding it together like he's clearly aware of that himself uh, yeah I really really enjoyed this um, he's got a new album coming out at the very start of December called War and Leisure what I'm sure he'd call War and Leisure but um, yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm be suddenly good. excited because I was getting worried well, it's okay. I'm glad that you're not worried anymore. You know? yeah. And I've heard good things about songs that we haven't heard as yet from like live shows. Apparently, there's a song called Pineapple Skies, which is unbelievable. People that have seen him live have said so. Well, we'll definitely revisit that when it comes out. For now, I really like this one. I think it's very, very good. But yeah, Chromio is my song of the week, so there you go. Oh, okay. I'm, I must be incorrect then. <laughs> from an album that we have been looking forward to, to an album that we really, really weren't. Um, we did, however, cast those um, predispositions to one side and take in Sam Smith's The Thrill of It All this week. It sounds like this. I've been burning, yes, I've been burning Such a burden, this flame on my chest No insurance to pay for the damage Here I've been burning up since you left If you ever come, I would run straight back Give you my forgiveness Yeah, that is Burning, taken from The Thrill of It All, the second album from Sam Smith. His debut was all over the place and really blew the guy up uh, both here and across the Atlantic. Uh, It took a while for a follow-up. It's obviously going to be massive. We've heard a few tracks from it already and we're frankly pretty down on it. Well, this is the thing. Okay, well, first of all, uh, I've had this album for a couple of weeks and I didn't think that we would be reviewing it because, you know, I was like, I don't think we're fans. We'll do something else. And then in Galway, we were looking at the album releases, and I was like, there's nothing else, man. We have nothing else. You just wanted to punish me, didn't you? And I did message Craig immediately, and I was like, well, guess what, buddy? Uh, We're doing Sam Smith. Okay, look, a couple things I want to say. Number one, Cullen, yeah, I mean, like, you nailed a certain kind of uh, commercialism there in as much as it is no coincidence that this album is out now. It's out in start of November, so it's perfect. It's in there for your Christmas stocking. Because Sam Smith is, as we said before, the counterpart to Adele. If I remember correctly, Adele released her album this week two years ago yeah 
And I reviewed that. Is that. this a real thing where they're just staying out of each other's way? Probably. Okay. No, but no, no, no. I also imagine that there is sort of seasonal sales and stuff like that. I, al- I always remember it because there was a couple of Irish artists, Gavin James in particular, who'd earmarked that week as being traditionally a good one to get out there and get good, strong yeah, sales. And then Adele came along and re- announced her album release and we were just like, sorry. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Uh, I reviewed that Adele album at the time and again, I was like, look, this is critic proof. It doesn't matter what I write or what anybody writes because... These albums are bought by people as Christmas gifts and as, as I say, as stocking fillers or for, you know, ma'am. Because it's just like, it's fine. It's relatable. It's mass market. It has mass market appeal. My and mother's good taste. I'll just say that. I, I know. I've <laughs> I'm only messing. No, 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 no. The Fitzpatrick family do, in fact, have good taste. Um, but here's the thing. At the same time, you you also want the artist to have their own body of work and not be that way. Now, there was a lengthy, because they always are profile in the New York Times about Sam Smith just there. Did you guys read it? Oh, um, was this the one where he just kept crying? crying? Yeah, it opens up with a paragraph summarizing how often he cried during the interview. Yeah, I did read it. It's an entire backstory. Now, I'm like, you know, I read it and I was like, okay, I don't quite know if this journalist is trying to be, because it's the New York Times, it's full of purple prose. You expect that anyway. And with this one, I was like, okay, I mean, is she on his side? Is she taking the piss out of him? I don't quite know. The comments, for once, actually made for very interesting reading, even as the Sam Smith diehards went in. And a lot of people were t- saying to the journalists, you know, no, no, like this was really kind of fucking mean. It was quite mean-spirited. It was just a bit too much. I don't quite know if it was. What I would say is I did get a sense of Sam Smith by the end of it. I did actually kind of, you know, get a lot from him. And I, I still find him, you know... Uh, kind of objectionable person so what was the kind of because I haven't read it what was the gist of like he was it was uh, you know he's a very emotional guy okay. and he was just based on his rise to fame and all this kind of stuff and how like you know since he was a kid uh, he knew he was gay when he was like 10 his mother knew he was gay when she was 3 and I should obviously preface this by you know Sam Smith is a very out artist I mean, yeah. you know he, he was very adamant that when he released his first record he wanted to come straight out and be like you know hey let's not have any tabloid bullshit I'm gay and he wants to use that in for the positive reasons at the same time he has found a lot of backlash from the gay community um, particularly when he won the Oscar for Writings on the Wall uh, best song and he said I, he said I read a quote from Ian McKellen this week in his speech he said I read a quote from yeah. Ian McKellen that said uh, no gay man had ever won an Oscar before and he goes if that's true and even if it isn't I just want to say I'm honoured to be that person blah 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 and immediately like a screenwriter Savage. who had won, won an Oscar who was gay put up a thing and was like actually Sam I want a fucking Oscar and blah 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 and he was destroyed as yeah. fast as he was crowned he was destroyed now here's the thing I mean like he's obviously in the past like you know he has a what was, what was the song on the first record Stay With Me was it mm-hmm. yeah Where which completely rips off Tom, Tom Petty's um won't back down. Won't back down. And, Thank you, yeah. you know, again, he was like, "What? Who's who's Tom Petty? What? What now?" And then, you know, like, he claimed to not know who uh, who Tom York was, which is funny <laughs> for reasons that I'll get to on this record in a moment. <laughs> and you know, so he puts his foot in it a lot, and he acknowledges this in the interview. He's very much like, you know, I want to stop saying stupid things. I don't, you know, I'm just a guy. Like yeah. he he comes across as someone who just happens to be very famous and very popular, while also, you know. And he doesn't seem to know quite know how to deal with. He's still quite young. I think he's like 24, 25. 25. And he's also someone who has never been loved back. You know, and this is yeah. evident from the type of music that he makes. Because these are like Adele records. They're breakup songs. And they're yeah, people like, but no, they are. No, but I, I, we're, we're going to get to the songs in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I will say is he's a flawed character. He's aware that he's a flawed character. And you come away from you kind of being like, 
you know, I hope he does well. I hope he does find love. I hope he does get it right. And he's very much like, I want to get it right. I'm trying. And this is the thing. In this fucking world that we live in now, you're not allowed to make... No, but like, you know... You, no, no, no. I you, agree. You, you, you I 100% agree. I absolutely agree with you. you you're know, not allowed to make mistakes. In fact, I'd actually go back Especially to Especially if la- you're famous or if you're in public. I'd go back to your last sentence, actually. It's not so much that he's a flawed character. He's a flawed celebrity. Mm-hmm. He's a perfectly normal dude, but he's flawed in the sense of when people people shove microphones in yeah, his face, yeah, yeah. he doesn't process it in the same way that some of these kind of shiny Hollywood types do. Yeah, and he says it himself, so. he says, like, he goes, he goes, he goes, despite the fact that I've been, you know, I've been gay all my life, he goes, I don't really know what that means in terms of projecting it and representing people, and I want to do the right thing, and I want to say the right thing, but also... Which is actually really refreshing. No, it there. is, yeah. massively, it's, and that's why I was like, you know, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Now, what I will say is, in terms of that, and the emotion there, and conveying it, I think... Only on one track on this album is he successful. The track is called Him, and it's written from the perspective of somebody who's devout and also gay. And is like basically telling God that actually I've got a boyfriend now and, you know, I don't know if you're going to reject me, whatever. And of course it is dramatic, it is theatrical, but it was the one time. It's clumsy for sure. (laughs) But it's the one time on the record when I was like, I think he got across those conflicting feelings in four minutes. Whereas the rest of it is just, unfortunately, like the Adele album, by the numbers taking you know the boxes what? so by the numbers is genuinely perhaps the worst record that <laughs> we've reviewed while we've been doing this show it's definitely not i in my opinion i mean even that it's song even not. that song that you mentioned him i thought like it's the only glimpse as you say towards the real sam smith every other time that it feels like we might get the slightest sort of idea yeah. it's as though a pure person has dashed through the door and just gone no 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 what are you doing we need a gospel choir we need modeling strings and you need to write about breaking up with someone again mate oh my god it, like, he needs yeah. a, there needs to be some sort of bechdel test invented for this bloke can he go a minute without <laughs> mentioning a failed relationship and no he can't and it comes across like he's just just very in love with the drama of failed relationships. Oh, that's absolutely. the way it comes across. And because he can't, songs even, he can't so, yeah. even remember how he feels about it. Though. Like the first track, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you so won't see me crying because I've done this so many times. The second track is, I can't stop crying because I can't believe this has happened. It screams like, of like, this This song will fit in with that pr- person, like this listener's particular kind of, you know, relationship problems, blah, blah, blah. It's such a kind of co- co- cookie cutter type thing. And yeah, sorry, you mentioned the gospel chorus. It takes thirty for the first thirty seconds of this record. There's no gospel chorus, <laughs> and it's quite enjoyable. <laughs> and then, oh my God! I mean, so they must Jesus have been, Christ! They're they, in their feet. They, they, they can't <laughs> room to swing a cat out in that lobby with the amount of gospel chorus waiting to get into the studio. Like, yeah. and yeah, I mean, there's bits of doo wop and yeah. there's like swing. It's like oh, he's, hang on, hang on, it's hang like hang he's focus grouped in nursing home. It's here. watered down. Amy hold Winehouse on. as well. It's hold all on, these yeah. very hold on, tasteful hold on, hold on. Okay, balladry yeah. British stuff that, yeah. I want to go through it in order because we're, 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 <laughs> yeah, we are yeah, currently yeah. staying offensive now. Okay, right. right. So <laughs> we had two good at goodbyes. No, hold on. Can yeah. I say something about that? Two good at goodbyes. Th- yeah, there's yeah. one moment where I think it's like a minute and a half in where he goes, he says, my soul, but he sings it like, my soul. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm out. Like, I, this is, I'm done with this record. Okay, so anyone that sings my soul like that. I can't. I can't take. This I feel seriously. like Anna would do that. But, no. Um, well, because maybe you're just thinking that because I did it so well there. I guess. But yeah, the way yeah, he, yeah. for a second there, the way he for a second there, you melted away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this song or this song or this album is also guilty of that Adele problem of just like, look what we can do. So we'll do it. The vocal yeah. gymnastics. Now, yeah. okay, going through the songs now because first of all, and uh, this is important. 
there is a deluxe special edition of this record, and it has 14 tracks. Then yeah. there is the standard edition, which has 10, which is the one that I listened to. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, all you I wasn't liked. voluntarily going for another four. So I just kept playing, so unfortunately. 10 tracks, 35 <laughs> minutes. Thank you, Sam. No encore brevity rule passed. Now, hang on. The title track is on the special edition. Yeah. That to me just screams of either cynicism or this track's an afterthought and therefore I don't care about it. Oh, well, that's. I know I it's not uncommon. Queen of the yeah. Stone Days have done it. Billy Corgan was doing it for years. Well, it's not uncommon. But I, I, to up. me, I was like, that's a bit of a weird thing to do. Now, okay. So there's a song in here called Midnight Train. And Sam Smith took the Midnight Train going straight to Radiohead <laughs> with a bit of Al Green because it's yeah, the guitar yeah, yeah. from Creep and it's Al Green's Let's Stay Together and, and it's an infinitely less interesting fact and it makes me want to listen to Midnight Train to Georgia I was going to say it, it, it's an interesting it makes it's me an, want to listen to anything it's else an, it's an infinitely less interesting facsimile of both of those classic songs but I just find it astonishing that after the lawsuits and the plagiarism and yeah. the I don't know who Tom York is, you would actually rip off Creep to such a degree that you must be begging for another well, lawsuit, one, mate. Which song is it that sounds exactly like a really dour, no diggity, melodically? Just one. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is now, but I was just like, this is just another lift. I like, say Jimmy Napes that writes with him. I he definitely wrote, the, uh, he wrote yeah. writings on the wall with well, him. Well, he's kind of been stuff, his yeah. partner, and I think he seems to be... His, co-writer with a lot of these songs that get question marks raised over I'm not saying anything I'm just saying Sam Smith seems like someone that might know a huge amount about music history and stuff Jimmy and Hape seems like a, a seasoned songwriter yeah. that might know that's all I'm saying he's saying he's a snake oil salesman is that what you're saying here? okay look here's it <laughs> now uh, earlier on Cullen mentioned kind of you know swing now it's funny because him which like I say I think actually works and I think if you actually tune into it and like it actually ends on a really interesting grace note and I'm like you know what Sam I think you nailed it. And then the next song, Baby You Make Me Crazy, is this horrendous fucking swing. Yeah. Gospel choir, like, you know, like, and it's like, what the hell? What? Yeah. How could you go from what I thought was the moment of emotional poignancy, the apex of such, on this record, straight into, and now what does do this week, baby? For such a narrow band of, like, a thematic band of what he's discussing, there's no consistency whatsoever in what is being said. Yeah. You don't. I don't understand anything about him from this record. It's yeah. I mean, I just I, I can't really pick out anything to like here, and I think is my biggest problem. Well, and can you double down on you saying that you think you think this is the worst record that we have reviewed have in a, thing, a yeah, year if, and a half? What have we yeah. done? Seven episodes. Dreadful. Lord Melodrama is up there for no, me. I, Arcade Fire. I thought that was gr- Arcade, Fire, Fire, Arcade, Arcade Fire. Everything now is yeah. up there Arcade for me. Arcade Fire is really bad, but for me, this pushes the cynicism of Arcade Fire like right out the window. This is. Awful. This is focus group. This is media managed. This is like the one thing that I'll say is like you mentioned about like you know the kind of vocal histrionics and it's like you know look at what we can do. That's all there is to yeah. this album. He's a voice and nothing else. He doesn't seem to have a story. He doesn't seem to have a style. He has the voice and that's it. And this is living, breathing proof of anybody who comes out with lines like you know oh what a voice. You know you could listen to him sing a phone book. You couldn't. Try this album and you'll find out. You can't just have somebody sing with nothing to sing. Yeah, it it kind of sounds like he's just won the X Factor, so they have to record an album really quickly to capitalize on it. It doesn't sound like it's it's taken two yeah. years. It it's like one of those things of and like we'll just plonk him in and he'll do his vocal acrobatics. And you know, most and, of all, most of all, for a guy who has spoken at length of how his life has changed in that period. For a guy who's talked about how fame has changed him or how he has changed during the time of fame since the first album, his struggles since, he's talked about going on 
benders and kind of, you know, losing the run of himself at times. And then this is the result that we get. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and the voice thing, I was listening to Careless Whisper on a train this week. George Michael's his hero, man. He said it himself. And yeah. when you listen to George Michael, George Michael, what an insane voice, like incredible. When you listen to a song like that, or Jesus, your shoulder, anything like that, not a superfluous note. It's just pure emotion from him. Yeah. Whereas this is just like, yeah, this is like, it's all about the technique. Yeah. There's no emotion. For a bloke who very genuinely seems to get emotional a lot during that interview and frankly through a lot of others that I've seen around the place a lot over the years it just feels like crocodile tears on record man. it's a bizarre situation to be in when you feel sorry for someone in Sam Smith's position because he has the world at his feet he's a multi award winning artist already at the age of 25 and he has presumably he'll never have to work a day in his life again he has his pick of whatever he wants to do you desperately want for him to turn around tomorrow and go you know what I want out of this current chapter of my life, I want to go off and do something incredibly different and I want to just work with people who will be, won't be afraid to tell me, no, that's shit. Do something different. I mean, like, he broke through on that Disclosure song, yeah. Latch. Oh, I, it, like, it, that kind of voice used correctly yeah, in those kind of songs would be great. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a great song. He sends a live on that one and then he went off to just be the male Adele. And it's like, again, like no one doubts the talent that Adele has, that he has, and what they can do with it. But what they choose to do with it ultimately is so homogenous and so bland that it can really only be recommended to people who don't care about actual fucking music. And they just want the general sensation of something. Oh, it. yeah. And like, I not- mean, I presume that this will shift most of its copies at Tesco. That's what I'm saying. This is designed to be bought uh, like while you're doing your fucking shopping. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm up, oh, new Sam Smith album, 999, throw that in the trolley. And yeah. That's the frustration. The frustration has always been when reviewing albums, when you're actually frustrated, when you're like, ah, I mean, man, you could be doing something so much better and so much more interesting. Yeah. And it's a shame because, like I say, I read that piece and I was like, you know what? This guy seems like a real person, a real human being with a lot of flaws and a lot of complexities. And I think he has been given a bit of a hard time. But as an artist, it's not working. It's no. not working. And while I don't think it's anywhere near the worst album that we've reviewed, I think giving it four out of ten is maybe even being generous. Yeah, it's a three for me, and I, I think that tr- is the lowest that I've gone. Yeah, three as well. Okay, well, you know, it didn't thrill us, but what can you do? So, uh, that's me uh, sending out some <laughs> stick about a bit of It's me giving you some uh, some I don't know some positive musical inspiration for Sam Smith there. Oh, I, sorry, I actually meant to mention that there's a featured artist on the track called Yeba, which is a lady by the name of Abby. So oh, it's yeah. spelt backwards. Who Sam Smith and Ed Sheeran have both been bigging up. So look for her to be the new. The yeah. new new Adele. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, guarantee we'll be here in a year's time being like, here we are, it's the high street sale fucking... Do we have know? to? No, I hope not. Okay. But what else could we listen to? Uh, I presume, you know, you must have ran for cover from this record a few times, Colin. What did you throw on the headphones instead of this? Uh, earlier this week was the anniversary of Leonard Cohen's death. Mm. And I was supposed to mark it. Uh, Jeremy Paxman presented a show on BBC Radio 2 the other night. And I guess it's essentially kind of like a personal journey of his experiences with Cohen. But he talks to like Rufus Rainwright and Suzanne Vega and some other slightly more Jeremy Paxman-ish people that you would would expect him to drag in. Alistair Darling, for instance, and <laughs> Arthur Smith. Um, Paxman, when I think about it now, I'm like, of course he's a Leonard Cohen super fan. He's the most obvious Leonard Cohen super fan you've ever seen. Like, yeah. just kind of charming yet grumpy bloke you love Paxman I love Paxman absolutely (laughs) I do and I love Cohen and so yeah it was a pretty perfect match for me Um, it's online for like the next month or so so definitely check it out Uh, I've been listening to George Michael on a train (laughs) that sounds kind of 
wistfully romantic in its own way. Yeah, it sounds like George Michael recorded sh- on a train just for Craig. Do you know what I've gone back to? Because <laughs> hey, I've been Craig, doing. I've been I know like, you've been working on that magazine pretty hard. So. <laughs> I've been listening to um, Joe Strummer's London Calling uh, BBC World Service show from years back. It's such a good selection of stuff, um, and it's all online. You can just find out. I think like his selections are on Spotify, so you can just listen to playlists. But it's best with his kind of interjections, and it's great for like writing and studying. Like, and Dave, stuff. do you want to plug it's anything that's not on the BBC? Well, I will in a second. But what I will say is that I. Craig's recommendation there is where I first encountered yeah. through Craig through Joe Strummer uh, Corner Shop and 6am Jalunda Share what a tune which is an amazing song and again you know if if you're the kind of listener who goes they recommended it I'll give it a listen I implore you check out 6am Jalunda Share by Corner Shop it's a magnificent piece of music one that you could probably genuinely listen to for 24 hours and not get bored uh, very underrated band Corner Shop as I said before there's a lot more to them than their big hit which is admittedly great as for <laughs> myself um, I have been listening to Bonobo's album Migration because Dahi finally pressed you yeah, because Dahi chastised me on the live show for not getting there and it's very good it's really good I've also been listening to the soundtrack to the film Good Time which stars Robert Pattinson which I watched last night and it's a good film quite intense and he's very good in it because he's a really good actor and the soundtrack is by uh, the score writers by your man uh, 103 Tricks Point Never oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and really good um, I, I'd heard that it was better, you know, that it was amazing I, I thought it was only kind of good it, it, it's good it's worth checking out yeah. very intense and finally I've been checking out uh, 1992 Deluxe by Princess Nokia which I didn't realise she put out a mixtape of this a year ago I completely passed me by I thought this was a brand new record it turns out it's basically an inflated version of the record yeah. she's re-released it with like seven new tracks or something and I had never heard her before I'd never heard it before I was very much asleep with the switch I think this is fantastic yeah no I quite like her she's been something of a darling for like the Guardian and some similar and darling for a while <laughs> boom boom but um yeah no it's a good record I like it a lot yeah definitely she's, an, she's a very interesting voice she seems cool very worth checking out and uh yeah I was like well, how come I haven't heard this before it's because I was about fucking 16 months late to the party this is bad for me as the host of a music show but you know you can't keep up with everything like Sam Smith you put your flaws out there that's what you do (laughs) Jesus anyway gentlemen thank you very much thank you a reminder that on the 7th of December I sound very weary uh, Thursday 7th of December Workman's Club quiz it's going to be fucking great Club and I have already had rows about it so you know we're taking it very very seriously Uh, to play us out this week uh, I need to give a shout out to Dara from Girl Band mentioning him again because he put me onto this track uh, Anjo, aka Anjmc, is an Irish artist formerly part of Backshed Inc. He's since left the group and the country with a new sense of purpose. He just released a new track called Dark Silver Lining, taken from a forthcoming project called Just Believe, which sees him open up about addiction and its impact on past relationships and state of mind. Uh, this is a very interesting track, and I found it quite, yeah, quite like, like very, you know, like I mean, like he's, he's trying to like really kind of speak his mind about mental health issues and, you know, kind of put himself out there. Mm. And I think, unlike Sam Smith, and unlike myself a few minutes ago he succeeds <laughs> this song is great it's called uh, once again Dark Silver Lining my name is Dave Hanready this has been No Encore there will be No Encore and we'll be back next week with a new Taylor Swift album things have changed since the last time I saw saw you the same maybe you can see that I'm not the same maybe you can see that I lost my way uh yeah, now I'm kinda really focused, really focused on me. Nobody knows where my whereabouts is. Road, life goes on really simply. I need no sympathy, ayy. And I thought it'd only be alcohol. Now the shit I do is more, more, more. Oh God, 
How the hell I got in this way? I think I glance into the mirror and shit. Fucking addiction, man. I never ever thought I'd ever fall in this path. Never ever ever thought that I would lose my path. Man, I guess the thing, my talent is a curse and a blessing. Cause it blessed me and it cursed me with this fucking addiction, man. I put my happiness down to achieving. A couple years then, I put it down to believing. Cause the game changes when you waiting ages. Now they ask me if I'm happy with my own playlist. Out. Time to kill the lies, or raise the line. Tell this distance your soul from. Search for the divine to find a soul. The soul that I capture. Time to, time to God, I lies, or raise the line. Tell this distance your soul from. Search for the divine to find a Maybe we should not do that anymore. She said, How you gonna do that? How you gonna kill your body and just ignore the facts? Or you think that shit is cool? Or you think that shit is cool? Or you think that shit you're doing isn't harming your body too? Now you're not alone. You gotta make decisions. You gonna keep on going? Oh, I make that hard decision. I'm gonna leave you. I don't really wanna. Uh, what you become? I gotta say, uh, uh. Well, you think about it. Podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.